Yeah, it, it might have been convenient uh, that my dad started getting into jazz about the time that I would be rebelling on my own. So listening to the old rock and roll wasn't like I didn't think of it as rebelling, but it was stuff that I was choosing to listen to, not my dad, even though it was my dad's record collection or my uncle's because my uncle gave me his record collection stuff like that so like I, I was listening to their old records and dad got to a point where I had played the moody blues so much that he's like it, you can play it when I'm not around but you're making me hate one of the bands that I like for my oh, ear stop playing I played it so much that our question of balance LP cracked wow. <laughs> I think I just wore it out quite literally because I would not stop playing it and it's about that time that I actually got uh introduced to Bruce beyond more than just Born to Run and Rosalia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Listing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, but mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is a fellow Texan, uh, yeah. Rosie Lee. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited you're here. We didn't have to worry about time zones. We didn't have to worry about, you know, figuring out uh, distance. It, it was kind of nice. Uh, so tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I'm 28. I have grown up mostly in Texas, but I have lived in 10 different states. So I can truly say that Texas is the best due to the authorities having lived other places, <laughs> at least for me. And I've been into music since I was little. Um, I thought there was eight days in the week because of the Beatles song. I thought we had Sunday twice when I was about four. <laughs> my brother shattered my world, but he's like, there's only seven. And I'm like, so music has always been something I've, I don't want to say like taken more seriously than the average person, but like people have been like, why do you know so much about that? I had an aunt, um, we were in the grocery store and, a song came on and I was like, Aunt Claudine, isn't that Billie Holiday? And my aunt was like, why does my pasty white niece know who the heck Billie Holiday is at six years old? So it's just always been around the house. Um, dad's deep into music. Mom always, mom's a pop girl, you know, of her era. And so music's always been a thing to me. I've only recently like taken up sharing all this useless information I know with the rest of the world because you know, hitherto, I was like, well, I have a couple friends who don't think I'm totally crazy, and, and that's all I'm going to get out of life. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to get to how you're sharing that, but I, you mentioned your parents. So let me start there, like I often do. Talk about growing up. Uh, so you said you grew up mostly in Texas, but, you know, and you mentioned your family loved music. Talk to me a little bit more of that. What kind of music did your parents listen to? Okay, my mom, like I, I, like I vaguely alluded to, is is very much the pop girl. So she liked her Beach Boys and, you know, Righteous Brothers, like your, your well-produced, you know, pop single stuff of the sure. 60s and early 70s, because she graduated in 70 and then um, at the time, like, married and then that husband passed and then she married my dad. 
but so she didn't really pay much attention to upcoming music after 1970 because she was busy being a wife and a mother and it wasn't the focus but she got to see Brewer and Shipley and Bob Dylan so she had a bit of a folks folk music interest too um and so that's what she shared with me and she liked country she was the only person in the house like country my dad my brother and I all despise country music I grew to like it because she listened to it um and this is like back when country was kind of good it was you know late 90s early 2000s so your Alan Jackson your George sure. Strait and country that still sounded like country um had a had a fiddle in the band which is yes. a requisite <laughs> yes and um so that was that was my uh my my mom's side of the musical equation was you know 60s pop and folk and then my dad my dad's an album cut kind of guy like if you if, it, if it's not worth buying the whole album it's not worth listening to the band kind of deal um, so it, with him, it was stuff like BTO and the Guess Who and almost all of Neil Young's projects from Buffalo Springfield to solo work, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, of course, and Clapton. I grew up on Derek and the Dominoes, uh, the only album that they did, and Blind Faith. Um, and uh, yeah, my dad had to explain that really awkward liner picture on the Blind Faith album. <laughs> naked lady but oh, I, was, I was like why, why is this in here dad <laughs> but you know so I uh you know that was it so it's sort of like the 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 lighter rock because Clapton isn't as you know heavy as Cage or Hendrix and we did have some Hendrix for whatever reason my dad doesn't like Led Zeppelin that was something I acquired as an adult on my own um but Lots of that. My dad got into jazz when I was in my teens, so I got introduced to like big band stuff and weird jazz musicians like Thelonious Monk. I'm not a big jazz person, and with my dad playing it nonstop since I was 14, I become yeah. less so than I would have otherwise been. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Rosie, because often, you know, we go through a phase where we rebel against our parents' music. Uh, it doesn't sound like you went through that phase it, that, except for the jazz, you just really learned to love what they loved. Yeah, it, it might have been convenient uh, that my dad started getting into jazz about the time that I would be rebelling on my own. So listening to the old rock and roll wasn't like I didn't think of it as rebelling, but it was stuff that I was choosing to listen to not my dad even though it was my dad's record collection or my uncle's but because my uncle gave me his record collection and uh stuff like that so like I, I was listening to their old records and dad got to a point where I had played the moody blues so much that he's like it, you can play it when I'm not around but you're making me hate one of the bands that I like for my oh, ear don't stop playing I played it so much that our question of balance LP cracked Wow. I think I just wore it out quite literally because I would not stop playing it. And it's about that time that I actually got uh, introduced to Bruce beyond more than just Born to Run and Rosalia. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't remember the first time I heard those songs, or especially Born to Run. It's so much part of the American culture. You right. can't live on this planet and not hear it. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. You know, can you remember... And you mentioned not really, but becoming aware of Bruce, and I maybe to be a little more specific, when you became a passionate Bruce fan, 
what about it and and what about his music spoke to you that you want to do that gosh it, it sort of came in two waves for me okay. first real introduction to bruce um in any way other than just beyond born to run and something playing on the oldie station uh was when my uncle gave me his vinyl collection to sort through and he's like you can keep whatever's in good condition they're all you know i don't have a record player they're yours yeah so I'm fiddling through those. And he had the Born in the USA album, which was in immaculate condition because I guess my uncle is not the biggest Bruce fan. It wasn't trash like all the Pink Floyd right. records were. Um, and so I listened to it. I remember being 13 and 14 at the time. And yeah. I would only listen to the second side. I did not like side A. I would listen to Born in the USA on side A and that was it. And then I'd go listen to all of side D because I love side B of that album. I feel really bad now that I was missing out on some good songs, but you're yeah. weird when you're 13 and 14, and I only liked the B-side of that album and Born in the USA on side A, and that was okay. it. Didn't like anything else on side A. Okay. And, and then, um, you know, so that was, like, my first, and I really identified with some of the songs at the time, you know, like, uh, you know, Surrender, and I had just moved from a town where I had a bunch of friends to someplace where I hardly had any. So, like, I kind of felt like I wish my friends would feel like, you know, Bobby Jean about me, yeah. you know, being gone. So, my little brooding teenage heart um, found solace on the second side of uh, Born in the USA. And then the real reintroduction of Bruce, because like, you know, I just didn't listen for a while, didn't really seek him out, um, had other music I was listening to. Right. Was a couple of years ago and uh, Badlands just kept coming on the radio. And I'm like, you know what, this is actually kind of good. Because like, I, I feel like I had heard something by Bruce's that I didn't like at the time that I heard it. And so I was just sort of like, right. yeah, it's not really my thing. I've been born to run and a couple other songs. But then I was like, this is really good. I'm like, I don't know that I've listened to the album that this is off of. And in the last couple of years, I've really gotten into like, well, if I like one song, I'm going to go find out more about the artist. It's how I found out about the band Free because everybody knows all right now. But I'm like, what else did they do? And I'm like, sure. oh, there's a bunch of other good music that no one ever plays. Mm-hmm. And so Badlands got me to look into it. And then I binge uh, Darkness on the Edge Town and the River albums. And that was my, my re-baptism into it. Because I swear when I, I don't remember hearing Promised Land when I was a teenager, but I swear that I did. You better, it just okay. captures that wanting to get out, you know, prove it to the world instincts that I had as a teen. So when I when I re-listened to Darkness, I was like, I know I've heard this song, but I don't know where. And I had the same feeling with Independence Day. I'm like, did I listen to these when I was listening to oldies music late at night on the radio? Like, where did I hear this before? Because it felt so familiar, which mm-hmm. I feel like Bruce's music just has that quality. Because I've read that people felt the same way that first time Thunder Road was played, you know, that it everyone was cheering like it was a song they'd all heard before. And this is, you know, like. 74 or whatever it clearly clearly no one has heard this song before so it may just be a power that bruce's music has of feeling so innately familiar that it's certainly you know he has a unique voice and uh there is that though someone just recently asked on quorum why why Bruce has never repeated uh, Born in the USA. Like, did he, why did he choose not to do another album of, you know, that popular? And I, 
you know, my suggestion was one, you, you don't know what the public is going to like, but two, he's never repeated himself. You know, darkness yeah. was different than born to run the river, uh, you know, was different than darkness and Nebraska and, you know, tunnel of love is different than born in the USA, you know, each album, and especially like the last four albums, if you think about um, Wrecking Ball, Western Stars, Letter to You, all three very unique albums. You know, they they are not a lot of necessarily things similar. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree with that statement. And for me, I'm like, Bruce has never been like, you know, let me do what's going to make me, you know, the most money or popular. It doesn't seem like it's going to be like, let me do what I feel I need to do with my music right now. So if if he did do an album trying to recreate Born in the USA, it would probably be Bruce's worst album because it wouldn't be him doing what he wanted to be doing and felt called, you know, by the music to produce. So, yeah, I, I don't get that, especially, I mean, I'm despite Born in the USA being the first album I ever heard, it's not one of my i mean i don't dislike it but it's not my top three <laughs> yeah um yeah and i do think that um a lot of times born in the usa gets a short shift from uh fans hardcore fans because it is so filled with pop hits and it is you know the cliche and um, more commercial I, sounding it's yeah. as close to commercial as bruce got <laughs> yeah and uh but i also think we should give credit to it was the gateway to many people finding Bruce's music. Yeah, and, even me. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I had this leftover album of my uncle's. So uh, I always like to preface this, Rosie, with the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is a, not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. But uh, yeah. have you been able to see him? And if so, how many times? No, I have not actually. I do have DVDs of the concerts and I enjoy watching those. So I, I've got the ones that came with Born to Run, Darkness in the River. Um, and so I watch those. And my, my best friend and I have actually uh, created a uh, drinking game based off of Springsteen concerts. Okay, tell me. You got to tell me about that. Okay, so the drinking game consists of... Um, everybody in the crowd gets assigned a band member that's not Bruce. So I have Stevie... She is a lightweight, so I gave her Federici because Danny hardly ever shows up in the concerts unless there's a you know, organ solo. You never see the man. So I, I took made it easy on her. Our friend uh, Michael got Clarence. And so whenever they're on screen, you have to take a sip or a shot. Like it's low pressure. It's not like it's do whatever you're comfortable with. It's not like we don't want to take you to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. So please be careful. Um, and so that is our drinking game. Uh, sometimes was just her and I will we'll be like, you know, to take a sip or a shot whenever there's like a, 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 a different ca a camera angle looking at Bruce's back or something. You know, we, we mix it up sometimes when it's a large group. You basically are assigned a member of the E Street Band and obligated to consume some amount of alcohol when they appear on screen. That is awesome. That is a fun game. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so just being in uh, West Texas and just have not had the opportunity because, you know, he has not toured since uh, 2016, right? 
Yeah, and that was, I didn't get, like, back into Bruce. Um, like, I didn't start hearing Badlands and stuff on the radio and dig into his uh, albums until, I want to say it was, it, last year was so long that it feels longer ago than last year. Like, I, I want to say in 2019, I went and listened to his version of Racing in the Street because I knew the Roger Taylor version. And I honestly, at the time where I was in my life, I was not wanting slow songs. And so I didn't like the Bruce version the first time I heard it. I was like, this is so slow. It feels like a funeral. I was not a fan the first time. I've since grown to love it. I really love the 78 version of The Promise. But uh, at the time, it was not speaking to me. Um, but then in 2020, I started hearing, well, I had been hearing Badlands enough to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go re-examine my, my feelings towards Bruce and see, you know, how I feel. And I was like, well, a couple songs really just, like, got me. Like, uh, Thunder Road was, because, I mean, I'm in, I'm in my late 20s, so the whole, you know, you ain't a beauty, but A, you're all right, and you're not that young anymore, like, okay, thanks, there's actually songs out there about, you know, romance after high school, because there are so few of those, most songs, it's like, yes, we're, you know, madly in love in high school, and that's it, and I'm like, okay, so if you're in your late 20s, and you, you haven't found love yet, there's just no hope, because there's no songs for you. <laughs> yes, that's a good point, yes, we are, uh, and, and we are, and, and you can, in your mind, you know, they can be almost any age on Thunder Road. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at least for me at my age, I was like, oh, we're not that young anymore. Good. So there's, there's yeah. love songs for people that aren't 18. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah every voice. Uh, so it sounds like, Rosie, um, you are similar to musicians as I am to writers. I, I'm a big reader. And when I discover a new author, I tend to try to deep dive everything they've written, you know? And so it yes. sounds like you do that with musicians. I have gotten that way. I wasn't always that way. I mean, I had phases like when I was in high school, if I got on a big Billy Joel kick and had to go find all the Billy Joel albums I could. Yeah. Um, yet again because the quality of the songwriting that's my thing it's like somebody can write good lyrics or if their music has really got a deep groove like i'm i'm not here to tout led zeppelin as great lyricists but they have great groovy music right so i go with that but with bruce 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 has both and so you know i i went and dug in and listened to um, much the first seven albums you know yeah greetings born in the usa and I listened to some of his later stuff too. And it had, it took a while to grow on me too. It's one of those things kind of like Nebraska. I feel like Nebraska, you also have to listen to a few times before you really appreciate it. It's not instantly going to be your favorite unless you really like stark, you know, gritty, dustful Americana folk music kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I had a guest once tell me that in his opinion, you can't enjoy um tunnel of love till you've had your heart broken a couple of times that um tunnel of love you have to have some distance and uh so i think also you know with nebraska it does take multiple because it is so different uh to enjoy that and get the feeling from it um 
you know, most we I normally uh, don't. This is an audio podcast only. Every once in a while, I'll take the video if my guest doesn't care, and I'll post it on YouTube, and I may get five views. Uh, but uh, for those of you who are what listening to this, uh, Rosie has a massive little Steven poster behind us, uh, behind her. She also showed me she has a great uh, couple of Bruce posters. But you've mentioned little Steven a couple of times. Uh, I would think he's your favorite member of the E Street Band, excluding Bruce. Honestly, sometimes it's almost tied with Bruce. Like yeah, I, I wrong love, with that. love what he's done, both you know, with his solo career in the E Street Band, producing and writing for Southside Johnny. Like he's done so much and gets so little. Like unless you have seen The Sopranos, most people have no idea who Stephen Van Zandt is. Yeah. Unless they are hardcore E Street fans. Right. It's like it's like either you're really really big into Bruce or you watch The Sopranos, and I'm like. This dude did so many other cool things with the Tate Rock program that he has and, you know, helping bring down the corrupt government in South Africa. Like, he's done so much and gets so little credit for it. So he's like, and also I appreciate his, his voice in current times because he's able to, like, understand people that don't see things, that, you know, don't necessarily same, share the same views that he does, which is so lacking in, in today's society. Most people are like, you voted for somebody different than I did, or you disagree with me on this issue, or you disagree with me on, you know, stuff relating to COVID, and therefore you're the enemy and the devil, and I'm never going to talk to you again. I literally had a friend stop being my friend last year because we didn't see eye to eye on some stuff around COVID regulations. And I'm like, what happened to like tolerance and love and yeah. all those cool 60s hippie things like that was a good idea why did we why did we abandon that and Stephen, well Stephen very much embodies the whole like i don't necessarily agree with you but i respect you as an individual that you can have your opinions and you know it's generally the only people he's down on is the politicians which is a good group of people to be down on usually <laughs> yeah he's um uh, he's very passionate and very um <laughs> opinionated on twitter uh he also um does not suffer fools easy but yes uh good guy really good guy um so let's talk a little bit you've mentioned a few but give me some songs or albums that have a special meaning to you and share with me a little bit about that absolutely um well, for one, I'm trying to think that there are there are so many because like I really love lyrics, um, and Bruce Springsteen is, in my opinion, the greatest songwriter, American songwriter. I know people would argue that Dylan has a case there, but for me, it's Bruce. Um, and you know, "Drive All Night" really just hit me one day. Like I, I can remember hearing that like not the first time I heard it but like the first time like it got me one particular evening because it was just sort of like Bruce's songs not just Drive All Night but so many of them are like they're really romantic but in a deep sense they're not you know flowers and chocolates and moonbeams and everything's perfect and unrealistic like he takes romance and sticks it in a real world where girls have jobs I don't know any other songwriter especially male songwriter who sings about women who work 
Like nobody else does that. And especially casting them as a, you know, like a romantic interest. You know, like I, I want to marry you is about a single mom who has a job. No one else has ever written, correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody else has ever written a song that's a love song for a single mom with a job. Now I'm not a single mother, but songs like that, you know, that respect the fact that you're tired at the end of the day and may not have your makeup all on be ready to be ready for a date like in um i think it's i think atlantic city covers that you know theme too and it's just so real which makes it so much more believable than love songs they're just like oh i'm gonna give you moonbeams in the sun and i'm like that means nothing now telling me to put my stockings on so i don't get cold in atlantic city that means something you care and it seems like i realize jersey girl was you know not written by him yeah, yeah, but often Bruce's female um, subjects have a past. There, you know, several of them have had children. You know, they mm-hmm. this is their their divorced. You know, they they have yeah. gone through, um, you know, a life, and, and I think that's an interesting concept, especially as he was writing when he was younger. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And very much with uh even even if it's not like a past with children, like he covers the whole like reticence to like, you know, risk romance again from both sides, but quite often from like the woman that he's interested in, where it's not like she's outright rejecting him. It's more like she's not really vulnerable because of whatever's happened to it past i mean he's addressing that in songs like the ties that bind and stuff where it's like you cannot live your life isolated which i was doing a bang up job of that for a while so i kind of bruce kind of helped call me out of my uh, general i don't need anybody over independence that i was going through which is why so many of his songs really do you know just speak to me because it's like i I needed to hear this from somebody and given last year was last year and I couldn't hang out with my friends and those sorts of topics aren't things that you really just discuss with just, you know, casual drinking partners or, you know, people you go play golf with or go to the pool with. It's really close friends. And so it was able, his music was able to like prompt me to, to think on those things. And then I was able to take my thoughts and, you know, observations to my really close friends and have them help me mash it out but it was it was nice to have like the kickstarting for music because music is such a powerful thing but even when you are sort of shut down emotionally or whatever at least for me it was able to it was the only thing strong enough to make me feel an emotion other than you know being generally pissed off or whatever it was I felt like being at the time you know actually get deep and face myself which Bruce's music especially his lyrics are really good about making you do that like the time that I had to realize that tougher than the rest does not mean tough and how I always perceive tough because I I hung I hung with the boys a lot so I was used to taking a football to the face and you know lifting heavy stuff and proving that I could run with them and I was like oh the tougher than the rest it like the tough and tougher than the rest is way harder than the tough that I'm used to being. I'm used to just being physically tough and act, pretending that I don't care. And tougher than the rest is about actually caring, which is really hard to let yourself feel and risk getting hurt again. And that's sort of, you know, the challenge. So that's the beauty of Springsteen's lyrics is he challenges you to uh, be a better person. 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things when you and I have exchanged emails a couple of times because we're getting to ready and you said you had a born to run story. So, okay, yes. yes. So share with, your born to run story. Okay. With born to run, my, uh, my observations is I, I have two. One is I absolutely do not understand how he did it, but I love that he somehow managed to make musical instruments sound like a decelerating car that comes to a stop and floors off at with the highways jam with broken heroes like i don't know how i don't know what weird magic that they did in the studio and then they even make it do it live and i'm like how are musical instruments sounding giving you the exact same feeling of like muscle cars slowing to a stoplight idling and then rearing off it's just wild and i described that to my friend she's like i had never really thought about that but it, you're right and i'm like it's crazy. I, I listened actually to one of your previous broadcasts and somebody was discussing Thunder Road having like three gears. And I'm like, Born to Run songs seem to all have some sort of automotive vibe to them. But my yes, other observation with, uh, with Born to Run is uh, people look at me when I'm crazy when I say it's like one, if not the greatest love song ever written. They're like, Born to Run's not a love song. And I'm like, you're not listening to it right. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, lines like, I want to guard your dreams and visions. Like, some dude says that, you know, that, that, that's, that's a really intense, like, promise to make somebody. He does similar in um, I Want to Marry You with uh, to say I could make your dreams come true would be wrong. Maybe, maybe I could help move them along. And I'm like, that is that real life romance in a believable concept. Because I'm fairly faded and don't actually want to believe that romance is real. But I'm like, I mean, I want to, but I'm like, Mm, I'm not sure. I think Hollywood and novelists and poets made it up. <laughs> and so when you when you when a songwriter, which Bruce is really good at, sticks it in a real realistic setting, it's great. And then with Born to Run, it's also you know the adventure. They're going off. You know they're 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 going off to the wild blue yonder on on the motorcycle to you know this great and glorious future. Like there's adventure to it. There's desperate romance. Also, Bruce manages, and Born to Run's not the only song he does it. He's really good at doing it in a lot of his songs. But he manages to straddle that line between like being a little bit too overtly sexy and just being too innocent. I mean, because the whole uh, Velvet Rims, you know, line is rather euphemistic, but it's classy. And he he straddles it better than a motorcycle. It's like there's a leg on both sides of being classy and being sweet, but also being, you know, sexy and flirtatious. And a lot of his songs, like Leap of Faith, and then they all do it, Pink Cadillac, where it's it's there, but it's in a classy and tasteful way. Because, I mean, I'm one of those people that if songs get too, too overt and vulgar, I, I don't enjoy them. They cease to be sexy when they get too overt. Sure. And so Born to Run is, in my mind, like the greatest love song possibly ever. Absolutely, I agree. That's that's well said. That's good. Um, so talk about um, your your Instagram and your social media and Facebook page. Talk about what you're doing to share this love and passion for music with other people. Okay, so this is actually I'll, I'll give the backstory of how I got into this. I um for several times last year just on my own personal Facebook page I had 
made little rock rambles where I um, just discussed like, you know, some musical artist or album that I was really into. Like, I think the entire month of December last year, I did little rambles for my friends on Paul Rogers because his birthday was in December and he's one of my favorite vocalists. So uh, if you don't recognize the name, it's Bad Company and Free and The Law and The Firm and a solo career. He's been very prolific. Um, but anyway, so discussing uh, that, he did some on Jimmy Page, some on Led Zeppelin. I think I did some on Roger Taylor of Queen, like just whatever I liked that I sort of wanted to talk about. And I have a couple other friends that are in the music, but I haven't really done anything seriously with it. And then I did one ramble that is actually on my YouTube channel before I started officially doing this from, it was the day that the uh, Dustland collaboration with Bruce and the Killers came out, so about a month or two ago. I went on this whole 20 minute ramble about how much I love the song because I had been a Killers fan when I, was in high, when I was in high school and I still liked their stuff. And so having discussed that and had my little reaction video I made, I, uh, E Street Nation on Sirius XM was discussing the song. So I called in because I was already ridiculously happy about this collaboration. And in the process of calling in, uh, Mr. Dave Marsh made the comment that like, are you sure you're not a rock critic? Which didn't hit, sink in at the time. I was like, that's a really cool compliment. And then like a half hour later, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I have books written by Dave Marsh. Like this wasn't yes. just some dude on the right. radio. This yes. was like, like, it wasn't just a DJ. This was Dave Marsh, who's been talking about music for, like, 30 years longer than I've been alive. That's a nice compliment. And then, so, I was like, that That was, like, the impetus to, like, take it and actually, you know, polish it, you know, get it, get me a yeah. sort of studio-type-looking setting and, you know, share my, my rambles on a more, uh, you know, professional level than just me and my phone um, on Facebook Live. And so I, I got started on that. Like I, that was the inspiration. I think I'd just come back from vacation. And so I, I got started on it a couple of weeks later and it's, it's kind of all over the place. Like it's, it's like each ramble has like a set topic, but I've done like two on Bruce related things. Uh, the first one was on the relation between Thunder Road and Racing the Stream and a couple of other Bruce songs. And then the other one I just did was on Brilliant Disguise and the deeper underpinnings of some of Bruce's serious relationship songs. It was like Brilliant Disguise and Secret Garden and Living Proof and a couple others in there. And mm -hmm. with some excerpts from his book, because Born to Run, the book is, I consider it one of like the top five books that I've ever read. Right. And like, I, that means I'm putting it in there with like Shakespeare and the Bible and Les Miserables and Lord of the Rings, kind of top yeah. five. It's not like top five and Twilight or the other three. It's yeah. top five <laughs> with some classic literature. Um, so that that being the case, I uh, I used some excerpts from it in the in that episode. And then the other one I just I found out while researching uh, the song The First Cut of the Deepest, I found out all about the lady who was the first lady to record it, Phoebe Arnold, and had to do a ramble on her that I wasn't planning on doing okay. because her life was so fascinating. I mean, she yeah. dated Steve Marriott of The Small Faces. She's performed in Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals when they debuted. Like, she's done a 
ridiculous variety of things. So I was like, this lady's so cool and nobody talks about her. So I have to talk about her, which is, you know, very me. I love finding like the, the obscure people, the underdogs and like fangirling on them. I mean, that may be why Mr. Van Sant's kind of my hero because that's pretty much right. what Underground Garage does. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, go ahead. So how are you putting these out? Uh, I have them on YouTube and I uh, sort of post on Instagram and Facebook. I'll post the links on Facebook and post a picture on Instagram to like make people aware that I've put a uh, new one, a uh, new episode out. I'm trying to figure out how to turn them into a podcast, but I haven't quite, you know, nailed how to do that yet. I'm researching that currently. Um, and so that, that, that's that's where all they're, they're being released on. Actually, the next episode is also, I just finished recording it last night. It's also Bruce related. I figured coming down to your show, I needed to make sure I had a good chunk of Bruce content for all the uh, Bruceites who uh, listen to you. Very nice. All right. Well, cool. Well, um, you've, you've never gotten to see Bruce perform live. So the question I usually ask about what songs are you chasing uh, would be all of them. Uh, so, but are there a couple that you, especially when he tours again and you get a chance to see him, what, what are a couple songs, you know, you want to hear live? I obviously want to hear Rosalita live. But that's usually going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's decently well played. Uh, Thundercrack is my favorite song sort of I mean I can't really have a favorite song but it's definitely one of my favorites of the outtakes um ones that didn't make album I absolutely love Thundercrack I have danced to it you know ridiculous amounts of times in my room uh because it's not like it's being played at you know street dances I go to unfortunately uh but so I would love to hear Thundercrack um I've read that Bruce is actually not a huge fan of his song The Way that's at the very end of City of Night on the Promise. I love that song. It is really, really, really romantic and beautiful and I adore it and I don't know why he doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I um, <clears throat> would, you know, like, like him to get over it and play it live. That would be great. Um, and other than that, you know, like I would just, you know, like to go there. I mean, like everybody... Everybody, I, I dream of being pulled up on stage to dance, but who doesn't have that dream? Right. Um, what were your thoughts to Letter to You and Western Stars? Uh, Western Stars, I have not really, like, dug into yet. Letter to You, I really love Janie Needs a Shooter, which I realized he wrote, like, 55 years ago. It's really way back in his catalog, um, but I really enjoyed it. And and Burn and Train was also really good. Um, yeah, Burn and Train and Janie Needs a Shooter were probably my favorites off of Letter to You. They were, you know, kind of kind of upbeat. And, you know, I like the general sort of message behind them. I mean, Janie Needs a Shooter's covers some sort of interesting aspects of a, you know, person's life. And it's one of those songs that, like, any person could hear it and take it kind of a different way. It's sort of very much up your own inter- interpretation and then burn and train yet again was one of those songs where like a motorcycle bruce straddles the line between being you know sexy and but not too vulgar and sweet and loving at the same time it's another one of those songs that just 
covers it so well where it's not it's not tawdry but nor is it prudish yeah i i could see that i like that so um what's next what do you got next planned creatively um well like i said i've got the episode on bruce that i recorded last night um which is actually about the songs that he uh that are outtakes of his that other people have covered and usually done well with so stuff like uh fire the pointer sisters did and patty smith doing because the night and those songs and three south side johnny songs um okay and then after that like it's just the plan is like an episode a week i may get to where like i do a little shorter episode midweek or something to discuss some you know particular song or particular uh okay. band member or something of various stuff like i'm planning on doing ones on uh, the moody blues and on david lindley oh and, nice and you know like i said i really like the obscure stuff that nobody talks about i will uh probably end up doing a few on paul rogers probably one on each of the you know bands he was in because i'm such a huge fan of his vocals to me it's like him and roger daltrey are like definitely on mount rushmore of top rock vocalists okay. that i can think of very so nice like his voice so it's it's kind of going to be all over the place like i thought about like maybe doing it just about bruce but i'm like i love so much other stuff yeah that i can't like narrow it down that much and of course like if i find out about some other really interesting artists like i found out about pp arnold i will end up inevitably doing a, a ramble on them as well because like, people need to know about these really cool obscure yeah. artists like well, and again Van Zant's my hero because it's yeah. all he talks about well and that's you know like I love John Hyatt and I love Sarah Hickman and you know and 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 so I I'm always excited when people discover their music and they talk about it and so yeah absolutely um Rosie is there anything I should have asked you that I shouldn't that I haven't yet uh I can't really think of so i did kind of want to go back and revisit like the uh the the impact songs that have impacted me because sure, like please. ran off of that and got on a on another yeah. tangent because uh i was gonna say is you know tougher than the rest of course and if and if i should fall behind all those songs and what i was saying about drive all night is it just you know it really sort of impacted me you know sort of touched me about you know like the because his songs are so relatively romantic and not unrealistic, like, oh, somebody could actually feel that way, you know, about somebody. Like, it's it's believable, and it was funny. I am uh, somewhat of a, you know, I'm a woman of faith, and so I, I was thinking about this, because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 28, and I've only had two boyfriends, so it's like, it's a struggle in, in life, you know, dealing with uh, that. And I was sort of like, just felt it put on my heart, you know, this last week, you know, God was sort of going, I can write you a better love, love story than Bruce Springsteen. And I'm like, other girls may have the notebook. Other girls may have Disney princess films. My gold standard for romance is the boss. There you go. So I love that. I'm yes. like, that, that kind of promise. I'm like, that's, that's really intense. And really cool. And I would really love to find that somewhere in this very bleak world. Yes. So like, I, I his like songs that. have impacted me on a, on a, level of getting me to believe in romance and i wrote an essay when i was 17 about how i didn't think romance was real i've been jaded for a very long time so bruce is thankfully you know bruce and my own you know personal faith and stuff thankfully pulled me out of my uh cynicism 
it's hard to be cynical about romance and listen to Bruce. It's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Because um, he puts it in like realistic, applicable terms where it's like I said, it's not fluffy and unrealistic. It's like, yeah, things like, like um, racing in the street. You know, I mean, she's depressed. They're all grown up and it's not, you know, glam, glamorous like it was when they were young. And it's still, you know, we're going to go go to the beach and, you know, get, get reset. <laughs> you know, we're going to spend time together and, and make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other songs that that speak to you that you want to share? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, there's there's so many that you know I've loved. Whether it's just a line in it about um, you know, like because I love to dance. I I love you know the E Street Shuffle because I'm like little angel steps a shuffle like you ain't got no brains. I'm like that's me, that's me. So whether it's really deep philosophical stuff with tougher than the rest or just you yeah. know, singing about a girl who loves to dance and obviously of course i always love rosalita i mean sure song yeah um but you know just it, it just depends on the mood like if, if you listen to them and you're in a thoughtful mood you will come away with some sort of philosophical observation from absolutely almost any bruce song so the ones that impacted me the most though were probably drive all night and tougher than the rest and born to run at thunder road and racing in the street because i love racing in the street it, it impacted me when i just knew the roger taylor cover right. and now that i know both of bruce's versions the the outtake from the promise as well as the one that made darkness on the edge of town sure it's really you know it it, it definitely makes you you sit and sort of you feel it like I may I may 20 years from now I may not relate to it but right now and in the last two years since I've been aware of the song I've always like really related to it you know you, you sort of get that feeling because I mean in in middle adulthood especially when you don't know what you're doing with your life like me um yeah. I may have a job but I don't know what I'm doing with my life uh it's really relatable to you know sit on your front porch with the eyes of one who hates for just being born like that was me when I was yeah. being cynical and so that song is means a lot to me and and so does thunder road for giving me hope and and drive all night also sort of you know gave me a sense of hope and optimism too and tougher than the rest has just challenged me to rethink how i'm tough and and be actual tough which is being vulnerable versus being fake tough which is you know acting tougher than everybody when you're really just insecure yeah so let's 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 move on to the merry question so uh if you are a friend of rosie's and you're listening to this podcast for the first time um the merry question is what i end every episode with uh jay armstrong is a retired honors english teacher but when he was doing his class every year his seniors would take two days uh during the school year and break apart thunder road as a poem going through all the lyrics, talk about the imagery and the themes explored in the poem, comparing it to Robert Frost and other poetry. And at the end of the two days, uh, Jay asks his class, does Mary get in the car? So Rosie Lee, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Um. I have two answers for this. That is perfect. Technically, 
technically from looking at the lyrics alone, Just Thunder Road, it doesn't look like she does because the door is open and he's pulling out of there to win. It's not we're pulling out of here to win. But right. philosophically, especially because I believe that Racing in the Street is the true sequel to Thunder Road, not The Promise. The Promise is way too depressing. Right. Um, she did get in the car. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't that evening. Maybe he had to come back the next day. But Mary and the protagonist of Thunder Road did eventually get together and ride off into the sunset. And Racing in the Street very much feels like their, their, their life five years down the road. Um, well, because she talks about she sits on her daddy's porch which is the yeah. porch that she, you know, danced across. So yes, and, I agree. And in this in the 78 version of Racing in the Street, um, the line, uh, she's, uh, but your pretty dreams are torn. It's actually your pretty dress is torn and her graduation gown lies in rags at their feet. So like there's another torn garment. There's a porch. There's still always the car, the girl and the getaway. That's, this is actually what my first episode on my YouTube channel was about, was the car, the girl and the getaway and that both Thunder Road and Racing the Street relating to each other as well as Prove It All Night. Yeah, great, great so, yeah. answers. Yes. She, so, okay. she does get in the car philosophically, I believe. All Who right. can resist such a proposal? Like, come on, you got to get in that car. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, Rosie, uh, how can people reach you if they want to? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at ramble on with rosie um it's a facebook page you can go like and follow um you can also find me on instagram at, at ramble on with rosie and on youtube with uh ramble on with rosie lee okay. um and so my channel is that there's a presence on all three of those uh sites okay. and uh try to share stuff so you know keep, keep it correct you know it's not just the once a week you sharing the link I, if i find an interesting interview I, I try to share stuff like that on the facebook page and encouraging stuff on my instagram very nice uh rosie this is great uh hopefully when he tours again he's in the dallas area or houston uh we can meet in person and exchange well. hugs and go enjoy live music uh thank you for being part of the show i appreciate you so much uh any thank final you. thoughts uh, I actually had one because I, I went and re-listened to uh, some of your podcast episodes and there had been a discussion about um, the couple and the river and I wanted to uh, give a, a small side note on that which sure. is my take which I don't know if anybody had expressed before which is about how I actually had to write this down because I wanted to remember it correctly but you know people want to talk about like how he just doesn't care you know she doesn't care and he acts like he don't remember yeah about like that that's about that lines about their romance but to me that's not how i took that line because the preceding lines are about like on account of the economy he doesn't have a job and all those things that seem so important so to me that's the you know the wife is acting like she doesn't care that she doesn't get new dresses or a nice car or anything and he and he's acting like he just don't remember like you know i don't remember wanting to have a picket fence and a you know whatever it was they were dreaming of when they were young and they got married they're just getting by and pretending those things don't matter and they don't remember them was my my observation on that lyric i think that's a really good theory um as they're fighting with this you know fighting to try to make ends meet yeah know, raising a family this. and he he's out of work 
Yeah, and you know, the originally what we came up with this right was is this a successful marriage? And mm-hmm. um, and you know, my answer is yes. If they're still together, they're still. I mean, all marriages have ebbs and flows, and um, and we know in reality, you know, the real couple, you know, Bruce's sister are they still strong? They're still going together, you know? So I like to think in the fictional world of this, that yes, it is a strong marriage. It may not be exactly what as youngsters they dreamed about, but there is Mm -hmm. a familiarity and a friendship and a long-term love history there that makes it a good marriage. Yeah. And they remind me of the couple in racing the street as in like life has gotten them down, but they're going to go run off to, the, the the river rather than the right. uh, the sea right. and just you know sort of get some t- bonding time together where they're not around their kids or whatever other distractions sometimes just being in your own house too long and never getting out of it well last year proved how wearing that can be yes absolutely <laughs> so um you know sometimes you just even though even if they don't have kids sometimes it's good to just get out and go out and not be trapped in the same four walls that you feel stuck in that aren't the four walls that you dreamed of them being. Absolutely. A good answer. Great answer. Um, All right, Rosie, thank you so much. We will have to do this again. Uh, Listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Uh, Please remember to get vaccinated. Uh, wear a mask, wash your hands, remember to social distance, and let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. For now, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.SetLustingBruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening Bruce. Set listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 